following sermon is from Grace City Church, located in DY, Sydney, Australia. If you'd like to know more about us, head to gracecitychurch.net. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Hugh. I'm on the leadership team here at Grace City, and it's a real privilege to be speaking to you as part of our gift day. And the gift day is a serious kind of a topic, so I thought I would start with something nice and light to begin with. I've actually got a gift day quiz. Does that sound good? A gift day quiz. Okay. So there are no prizes up for grabs other than pride, which is significant to some. So a few quick questions for you. So which of these three things has more verses devoted it devoted to it in the Bible? Which of these three things has the most verses devoted to it? Is it A, faith? Is it B, money, or is it C, prayer? Ooh. Oh, we've got lots of different theories. Okay, well, it's fairly obvious it's money, guys. It's a gift day. Obviously, it's going to be money, isn't it? Yeah, it's money. So whoever got money is right. But actually, the surprising thing is there's more verses about money in the Bible than faith and prayer combined. Yeah, oh, wow. Wow, that's, I wanted that reaction. Okay, next question. Next question. So what percentage of the Bible is actually about giving? Is it A, 3%, B, 8%, or C, 15%? So we're going to go for hands on this one, okay? So who thinks A, 3%? Jeff. (laughs) It's good to go alone sometimes, isn't it? You've got to have conviction. Okay, is it B, 8%? Quite a few people. I'm not going to name you, okay? Or is it C, 15%? You guys are right, it's 15%. That's really high. It's almost like uh, more than one in ten verses in the Bible is about money somewhere along the way. Did I count them? No, but someone really clever did, and I read his book, so <laughs> that's the trick. Okay, I've now got a couple of scenarios for you, okay? So pretend that you're the church pastor for a second. And people come to you and they're asking questions about the gift day. So there's a lady, first one. She's in her 70s. She's living alone. She's not going to get her next uh, money for another week or so. It's the gift day. She's got $20. She's got nothing in her house. And she says, actually, I feel I should put the whole $20 in this gift day. What do you say to her? Ooh. 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 Do it. So what if, what if, if you were the old lady? What would you say to yourself once you've recovered from the shock that you're an old lady? What, what, what would you... <laughs> Would you give the money? I mean, if it was you, it's easy to say someone else, would you? Okay, next scenario. We'll come back to that next scenario. There's a wealthy farmer in New South Wales. He's had a bumper harvest, and he's thinking, I'm going to upgrade my existing barns so I can fit more, even more harvest in. I'm going to take down what's already there. I'm going to build new ones so I can have more harvest in my barns so that I can have a happy retirement and just make sure that I and my family, myself and my family, are looked after. What would you say to him? Now, some of you were here last week and you were listening. I'm impressed. This is Jesus' response to that person. These are, these are both biblical examples, actually. And that one was from Luke 12. And Jesus says, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? So I'll just let that... I'm not going to pass comment on that one. I'll just let that linger there in regards to our retirement plans. But then this, this lady... 
Actually, I don't, I don't know what you said, but that's from Mark 12. It's this lady who comes and she puts her last two kind of gold coins in, in the offering. And Jesus says, he really affirms her, and he says, this woman has put more into the treasury than any others. He says she's amazing because she's given everything she can. And I mean, just looking at these two scenarios and the, just a number of verses about giving, I was quite shocked just how important money is. Like, you think it's a secular kind of thing, the spiritual and the secular money's, you know, it's really a side issue. But actually, it's really central in the Bible, and it's really important. And the thing that stuck out to me most was that um, in this story, and it's a real story, Jesus sees the woman giving the gold coins. So he's close enough to the offering to know exactly what she's putting in. He, know, he sees everyone as they're giving. He's close enough to see there's two coins. He can identify the type of coins. It's like he's sitting right next to the basket and he's watching everyone give. Because Jesus really cares about what we do with our money. It shocked me. He's really interested. And the reason is, I think, what we do with our money really reflects where we are with God, actually. That's the question we're going to explore. It really affects... There's, a, there's an undeniable connection between how much we give and how we feel about God. And we're going to explore why that's so important during this gift day. And I'm going to pick up where Mike left off last week. He was looking at 2 Corinthians 8. I'm going to look at 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 6 to 15. I'm just going to read through it in a minute. And then we're just going to ask three really simple questions of the text. So that's 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 15. It's not going to appear on the screen, but I'm going to read it. So you can either listen along or you can read it for yourself in the Bible. So that's 2 Corinthians 9, 6. I'll read it to you. It says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let me just pray. Yeah, God, we thank you for your incredible generosity to us that you've just showed in just many ways, Lord God, even before we were born and ever since, Lord God. We know that you're so good. And I just pray, Lord God, as we look at this uh, topic of money and the gift day, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would really be with us, Lord God, and challenge and convict us, Lord God. And I just pray we just, we just encounter your grace afresh, Lord God, your generosity afresh, Lord God. And out of your amazing grace, Lord God, that we would give back to you, Lord God, and you'd use it to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So in terms of this text, we're going to ask three simple questions. And the first one is, does God need our money? Like, why do we give? Does God need our money? Is it that that's why we give today, because God's just short on cash, so we need to come and give to him? Well, well, let's explore that question and answer it. In verse 10, it says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your resources. So it's saying... 
He gives you the seed in the first place, and as he gives you the seed, you then sow it, but then he also is responsible for multiplying everything that you give. It's like a, like a God sandwich with you in the middle. He gives you everything that you need, you then take it and you sow it, but then he's responsible for the harvest. And I think that Paul in this passage is linking it to some previous kind of images that he's used. So he said at the beginning of Corinthians, um, I, Paul watered, no, sorry, I, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but it's God that brings the harvest. So it's God who's ultimately responsible for the harvest. And in chapter 8, you'd have read it um, last week with Mike, God talked about manna, manna from heaven, in which for 40 years, every single day, the Israelites were in the desert, and God provided them their food. And every day, they'd simply have to go and collect it and then eat it. There would never, ever be anything left for the next day. It would always go off. So it's this repeated cycle of knowing and understanding that it's God who gives us everything we need every single day. But then when they moved into the promised land, you know, they, became, uh, they weren't nomadic, they were static people, which meant that they could farm. So they had their seed and they could sow it and then they could reap it and then they could sow it again. And I think they could be mistaken for thinking that it's actually themselves that are providing their needs. But God wants them to know and he wants us to know that it's him who provides us everything that we have. Just as he provided the manna in the desert, actually he provides them seed to sow now they're in the promised land. And that's really important, I believe, for us to understand because it's God who gives us everything that we have. And, you know, these days uh, our wages or our money comes either from our employer or your parents or the government, whoever. It's just dropped in your lap. And you can be mistaken to thinking it's it's your employer who's providing for you or it's your parents that are providing for you. Actually, the truth is it's God who's always providing for you. You don't get an angel come down from heaven and give you a paycheck. So you could think, oh, it's my employer. It's actually God who always gives to you. Whether you're in work or not in work, it's God who gives us everything that we need. So let me illustrate that with another verse. I'm going to look at Psalm 50, and this is where um, the the Israelites are giving things to God. So they're offering sacrifices to God. But God's not really that impressed with them, and he says this, and you'll recognize some of the verses, I'm sure. God says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. And I kind of read this verse and chuckled really because it's like these Israelites are offering lambs up to God and they're confused and God's saying, if I were hungry, like I, I own the cattle on a thousand hills, which isn't that impressive to an Australian who's, you know, some of our farms have got a thousand hills in them. But God's saying, like, I own everything. If I had a need, I wouldn't come and ask you for anything. It's, it's like as if God's hungry and saying, you know, I really fancy a lamb kebab. It's just been a long day. Israelites, have you got anything for me? And they go, oh, yeah, well, here's, here's a lamb. We're offering it up to you. And it's like, oh, thanks so much. God doesn't need anything from us. He owns absolutely everything. So does God need our money? Absolutely no way. He doesn't ask us to give him anything because he's in need. He has everything already. You know, we have to have a, like a big picture of God understand that he's entirely self-sufficient in every single way. He has no need that any man could ever meet. He doesn't need us to validate him. He doesn't need us to give him anything. He is entirely self-sufficient. The nations are just a drop in the ocean from him. He doesn't need your gift. Actually, he's given you everything you need to give your gift already. And as you give it, he's going to be responsible for the harvest. So there's a question then, so why do we give if he doesn't need our money? Like, why do, why do we give? 
That's a fair question. And I think there's two things, really. The first is that it's a trust issue. If we really believe that God gives us everything that we need, we will, we will give knowing that he will provide for us. So if we believe, if we genuinely got faith that God gives us everything, he will never let us down. Actually, we're, we're going we're to give to him. I think when we say we trust God with our lives, that he's Lord of our lives, but then we kind of deny him kind of the lordship of our finances, it's saying, I trust you in every way, but actually I'm going to manage my own finances because I don't think I can trust you. You're not trustworthy. So what we do with our money, I believe, really affects and demonstrates how much we actually trust God. If we trust God to meet all our needs, we're going to give because we know that actually he will give us everything we need. And the second point, I've called it um, sufficiency, but it's a bit of a, um, it's a kind of reflection of a much bigger, broader concept that's going on right behind these verses. So I've called it sufficiency, but it's going to take a minute to explain. So you have to bear with me. And when I start, you may not think, I'm not, I'm not sure how this links back to anything I'm saying. But just bear with me, okay? So um, there was a concept at the time that Paul was writing that a person can never give something to another person without an ulterior motive. So you could never give with no agenda. There'd always be either a conscious agenda or a subconscious agenda. So you'd give to someone because you you think, oh, maybe later on when I'm in need, they'll give back to me. Or you'd give to someone subconsciously because you really want them to like you. Or you want them to think that you're a nice person, that you care for the poor, so you're going to give, you're going to give because you want it to reflect well on you. Now, you may or may not think that's true, and I'm not here to confirm but it's quite an interesting idea because Paul actually picks up on the verse, uh, sorry, on this idea in verse 8. And he says, um, the English text, that we will have everything we need. The, the Greek is a single word and it says that we will be self-sufficient, linking into this idea. And what he's saying is we'll be self-sufficient from other people, in a sense, because of our total dependence on God. So because of our vertical relationship with God, it completely affects how we relate to everyone else, our horizontal relationships. So let me explain. We can forgive others, not because they say sorry or because they're repentant, but because we have been forgiven. And it's out of that forgiveness that we are able to forgive others. We can love others, not because they've earned our love, they deserve our love, but because we know what it's like to be loved. We've got love from God that that overflows into others. We can be gracious to others, not because they've been gracious to us, but because of the incredible grace that has been shown to us. We can give to others because of the amazing gift that we've received from God. And that how it, that's how it links in. Because God has given us so much. He's given us his son, Jesus Christ. And Paul talks about in Ephesians his, um, his inexpressible kindness to us. And he talks in the end of this passage about God's indescribable gift. Like the gift that God has given us is so huge. And as we draw down from it, it overflows and affects our generosity. As we enjoy and receive his grace, it enables us to be gracious to others. You know, he has given us so much. He's wiped away our entire past. He's forgiven us of all our sins. He's called us sons and daughters, as Adam was reminding us. He's given us an inheritance, a future in him. His grace is so enormous. And as we, as we enjoy it, as we receive it, we're able to give. 
going back to the original idea, I think that Jesus is so concerned with our giving for these two reasons. Because it, it says if we really trust him or not, whether we really trust him to provide for us. And it also says how much do we really draw in on this grace? If we really receive this gift from God, if we really understand it, if we're over kind of flowing with thanksgiving, then that just comes out of us and we just give out the understanding that we have of God's grace. So that's our first question answered, I think. Does God need our money? Absolutely not. But he does want us to trust him and he does want us to receive his grace. So the second question then, do I get my money back? It's an important question, right? When I give, am I going to get anything back? Verse 6 says this, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is quite a simple concept. It's an like a, a earthly concept that Jesus is drawing on to illustrate a spiritual reality. Like if you give a bit, you're going to get a bit back. If you give a lot, you're going to get a lot back. And It's quite a simple idea, but I just want to pause and explore it a little bit more so we're all on the same page. So some of you may know that um, I actually spent three months in um, Queensland uh, working on, in a tree nursery uh, in Bundaberg. And um, I had a few jobs there, but um, one of them was sowing seeds, actually, of, of little trees. So there'd be trays, they'd be coming along on a conveyor belt, they'd be filled with dirt, and it was my job at the end to put um, one seed, a tiny seed, just like the size of a mole on, on your arm, into these like these trays that had these little pots. I think each tray had like 80 single little pots and I had to take a seed and put it in each one. Yeah, it was pretty annoying because sometimes three go in and then you have to take tweezers to pull them out. So you do one of those trays and then you put it on a pallet, you layer them. Each layer had 12 trays on it, so 12 trays of 80, and you'd put them in layers of six. So I think I did the maths. I think... Each time I did this, it was like 5,700 seeds that I'd sown personally myself. And I would be lying if I said this was my favorite job I've ever had. It was, it was pretty tedious, to be honest. But um, it was a little bit exciting. We, you know, we wrapped them up, and then you'd put them to germinate. And then even after a week, you'd pull them out, and you could see kind of little seedlings. And we put them on racks. And after eight weeks, you know, you'd get something that was almost a foot high. And there was one day that I went out. We drove into far north Queensland to like a a tree farm, I suppose, just like there was lots of trees there that had been planted years ago. And like after decades and decades, I just, we, the farm was enormous, like it went on and on and on. There was just rows and rows and rows of trees. And it just, it was nice to see it come full circle. The individual seed that I'd sown, now it turned into, it was a full tree. Well, I hadn't sown it, but someone years ago had. And I could see the end of the process, a whole tree. And this seed that was worth a dollar, was now worth like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It could be cut down and used for wood. And each tree had thousands and thousands of seeds on it. So it went from just being one seed decades later, now this is a whole tree filled with seeds. And I think it's important, important that we grasp what's being said here. You know, when we sow, we really will reap. And if we sow even just a little, actually we're going to get a lot back on what we've sown in. And when we sow a lot, actually what we're going to reap is just going to be abundant. It's going to be enormous. It's not going to be any small thing. And I think we're nervous about talking about God's blessings because um, you know, if you're not familiar with, with church and you don't understand this language, for, forgive me briefly, but there's like this prosperity gospel that talks about blessing and blessing and blessing. And we've almost, we're nervous about talking about blessing because we don't want to go down that route. But actually we can't ignore the biblical root, truth that says actually if we sow generously... 
what we're going to harvest is going to be enormous. And it's a motivator for us to give. So do we get our money back? I can hear you saying. It sounds like I'm saying yes, but I'm not. Let me, let me, I'm not, I promise. So let, let's explore why together. I don't think it's finance that we're sowing. I think it's faith that we're sowing. We're sowing faith into God's kingdom, as Mike has mentioned earlier. We're sowing into glorifying the name of Jesus in this area of DY across the northern beaches and right across the nations. That's what we're sowing into, and I believe that's what we're looking to reap. Not something for ourselves, not money that we can take away and buy a Ferrari with, but something so much bigger than that. We're sowing into the kingdom of God, and as we give generously, I believe that we are going to reap generously in the kingdom of God. Not as a small thing, because God is a generous, lavish kind God who's going to multiply whatever we give, and those are the words that he uses. So even later on in this passage, Paul talks about um, people praising God because of the gifts that we have given. And as we give to this church in DY, I know that that's going to happen. They're going to say, wow, that we're like, we really need this cash that's so useful. Thanks, God. Thanks be to God. They're going to praise him. And there's others that we give to who aren't Christians who are going to see, they're going to see the evidence of our faith played out in a real way, that we don't just talk about God's love. Actually, we're doing things. They're going to see that we really believe what we're saying and there's something different about us. And we've got to believe for a harvest of the lost, actually, that we're sowing into God's kingdom and the best thing that we could reap in that is in terms of salvation, that as we give, that God is going to give back to us. And as we give to people who don't even know him, these people coming, um, either refugees or any number of these areas we're sowing into, they're going to be like, wow, these Christians have given to us and know God's love. So we've got to be in faith. We've got to sow in faith. And lastly, I think we've got to sow with an eternal perspective. You know, I think for myself, I don't always live with this reality, but we're going to spend such a short period of time here on earth. The fraction of our total lives is like zero point, lots and lots of zero ones. Like it's a tiny, tiny thing. We're going to be in heaven for such a long period of time. And the truth is that our real home isn't here. It's in heaven. That is the truth. I know we've talk so much about buying homes here on the northern beaches, but our real home forever is going to be in heaven, not here. And there's a challenge for us about where we're really going to invest. And for some people here, you, you may give, and it's going to make it really difficult for you actually over the next few weeks, and you'll be living you know, on almost nothing, and it's a real stretch of your faith. But for others, I think it's slightly different in the way that we give. It's more what we're going to do is forgo certain things that we'd really like to have. We're going to have to put them aside. So perhaps things like, um, you know, if we give to this gift day, we're not going to be able to put that extension on the house that we planned for a while or get that new sofa that we want or buy that new TV that is, we just really like and would be a good thing. Or perhaps even going away on holiday, you're thinking, hey, if I, if I give, I won't be able to... I've seen some cheap tickets to Fiji next year. Actually, that sounds really good. If I give, I won't be able to go on that. I'm sure some of you guys out there have got your eyes on the latest Thermomix and think, hey, you know, I've really... <laughs> really keen for one of them you know and all of these things are essentially good and i'm nervous about putting the thermomix in that kind of good bracket but they are essentially they're essentially good and there's a sacrifice actually you know if we if we if we give it's not like you know we're going to forgo this holiday but god's going to bless us and we're going to be able to go on two next year i don't think it works like that and there's a real sacrifice that we may need to make but the question is what what's more important where do you want to sow into more Is it in this life or the next? The Bible says don't store up treasures here on earth, but store up treasures in heaven where they won't spoil or fade. 
And I've been challenged with this myself. You know, what's really important? Where, where do I really belong? Is it, is it here on earth? Should I invest into my retirement, etc., etc.? Or actually, do I invest in eternity and trust God that he's going to meet my needs in the interim? And it's a big challenge, actually, for us as a, as a community to explore. And I think we need to look into this topic more together. I think we really do, because it's fundamental to how, how we live. What we do with our money really reflects what we think about these things. So here's why we give. We don't, we don't give to get anything back, but we do give to sow into the kingdom of God, into the glorification of his name on the beaches. And we give to sow into eternity, not just in the short term. So lastly then, how should we give? As in, what sort of manner should I give in? It says here in verse 7, Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we shouldn't give reluctantly or under compulsion, so like as our, our arms being twisted behind our back and we're being forced to give. Why should we give? Well, let's look at firstly the wrong motives we can have for giving, and then we'll come on to the right motives we can have for giving. So under compulsion, so ways that we could feel forced into giving. Well, we could feel forced into giving to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. So we could be here today thinking, well, if I don't give, I'd feel pretty bad, so I better give something. That's not really a a right way to give. Or we could give because, or a wrong way would be to give because the church has manipulated you into doing that. Perhaps some, some people feel like that. You feel like you're just being forced and tricked into it. And I just want to say, you know, God doesn't need your money. So if you feel like that, then just don't, just don't give. But we've got to believe that God is going to give us everything we need for everything that he has called us to accomplish. And if you feel tricked or manipulated, then just don't give. Another reason we could give that would be wrong would be to earn favor with God. To please him, you know, to get some brownie points, some points on the board. You know, perhaps you haven't been living the ideal Christian lifestyle recently. You haven't been doing everything you think that you should do. And today's a great opportunity to kind of give something back to God. Say, God, I know I haven't been the ideal Christian. Here, have some money. Let me make up for it. But it just doesn't work like that. You know, if we're Christians, we've got to believe that Jesus has already made up for it. We've got to believe that we're sons and daughters of the King, like that we're holy and blameless in his sight no matter how we live or what we've done. And we don't have to give back to earn brownie points. We already have all the brownie points we ever need. And if you're here today and you're not, you're not Christian, you're not sure where you stand with God, and you fancy throwing a few dollars in the bucket, I just want to say you've got no idea how much you owe God to think that throwing 20 bucks in is going to make any difference. You've got no idea, actually, the debt that you owe him, how serious a position that you are in. And actually, it would be insulting to think that you could buy your way back into God's good books. You know, all the money in all the world ever could never pay the debt that you owe God as of now. And that's the, that's, that may be hard to hear and bad news, but it's, I believe it's the truth. The good news is <laughs> that the debt has already been paid for you. Because of what Jesus has done, he is the indescribable gift that he has paid the debt that you could never, ever pay. He has paid it for you. The money can't do it. It was simply too big. But he has taken everything you've ever done wrong and paid for it. Which means all you simply have to do is receive the gift that God is offering you. All you have to do is say, God, I'm so sorry for everything I've ever done wrong. Won't you forgive me? I want to give my life to you. 
and you can have that debt paid in a second. But don't think but by giving to God, you can make any real difference. Money is not the thing that you need to be thinking about today. It's about getting your heart right with him. So why do we give to God? What, how should we, rather? Two really quick reasons. And the first is, um, I think it's quite fun. It's carelessly, carelessly. Paul actually references um, one of the Psalms in this passage. And he says, uh, it's from Psalm 112. He said, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. And what he means is um, there were wealthy Jews at this point in time, and they would give loans to people who were really struggling. But the bad people would almost give loans with such high interest that those people would never be able to pay them back. And it sounds a bit like now, doesn't it? The interest is so high, you're never going to be able to pay it back. But it was even worse in those times, because if you couldn't pay it back, the, the person would eventually say, if you can't afford to, then I'm just going to take you as my slave until you have paid it off. That was bad. But what God says, the kind of people that he likes, is people who just give and they give and they give, almost without knowing they're never, ever going to get it back. So here's me, a wealthy Jew. Here's a person, I know they're never going to be able to pay it back. I give them the money, we call it a loan, and they promise to pay it back, but I'm never expecting anything back from them. I'm just giving. And the image used is just scattering seed, just scatter it abroad. It's almost like you throw it around frivolously, just like carelessly. Because of the grace and the gifts that they've received, they're happy just to give, 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 without expecting anything back. We give carelessly. And the other thing referenced in this passage is that God loves a cheerful giver. And when I think of this, I think of um, school photos. Did anyone used to hate having school photos taken? I certainly did. I didn't like pictures of me taken at all as a kid, and there's very few of me. There's literally a couple. But school photos I hated the, the most, and you know, the teacher would come and say, oh, would you like your picture taken? And you say, no. No, I wouldn't. I said, oh, well, it's more of a gentle command than a question. Could you please sit down and look at the camera and smile? And then you just you sit there and you go, smile. And it feels like that on gift day. Like Grace City Church is gift day. God loves a cheerful giver. Can everyone smile? You know, you know. But it's got to be more than that, hasn't it? Because a genuine smile is just an external reflection on an internal reality, isn't it? That's, that's all it is. And us being cheerful givers, it's not like forcing a smile or pretending to be happy. I think it links back to that wider theme. I think the more we enjoy God, the greater we have a, an understanding of his grace. Actually, it transforms us and fills us with joy that we give out of that. Mike mentioned last week, grace, grace equals joy equals generosity, and it's so true. The more we like, draw down from the goodness, the kindness of God, the more we understand his incredible love for us, and the more we experience that, it fills us with joy, and we give out of that. So we don't, we, it's not like a forced smile where we pretend to be happy that we're giving our money away. Actually, it's out of the incredible grace that we receive from God. We just enjoy that. We just enjoy the fact that we're loved by him, that he cares for us so much, that he has paid the price for us. We just enjoy the incredible gift of Jesus Christ. And as we do, it just results in thanksgiving, and we naturally give out of that. It's not about being forced or manipulated. It's just about enjoying God's indescribable gift for us. So in a minute, Mike's going to come and explain what we want to do next. But I just want to wrap up by saying, you know, we give to God out of faith, knowing that actually he always was meeting our needs. He's given us every single thing that we have now, and he will continue to keep giving to us. We give 
in faith and we give out of the grace that he's given to us. We just, it's just about enjoying him, I feel. It's the most important thing of knowing actually that he cares for us so much. Knowing and experiences, experiencing his incredible love for us. And we give out of that amazing grace the gift of Jesus Christ. We give out of God's generosity to us. So why don't I pray before Mike comes up. God, I just thank you for your just incredible generosity in giving us your son. I thank you for your amazing love for us. And I thank you for your incredible grace that you've shown us every single day of our lives. And this morning as we give, Lord God, we just celebrate your goodness to us, Lord God. We just enjoy the favor of God on our lives. And we give not because we have to, because you need it, or because anyone's forcing us to, Lord God, but just as part of our expression, Lord God, that we know that you will provide for us and you will meet our needs, Lord God. And we sow into your kingdom, Lord God, knowing that we will reap a harvest, Lord God, that is going to bring glory to your name, Lord God. And we give, Lord God, in faith, Lord God, knowing that you're going to bless us as a people as we bless you, Lord God. And we give because you've given so much to us, Lord God. Jesus, that you were such a precious gift and we just receive you and we give out of that. In Jesus' name, amen.